0: Blog TALK RADIO Now, hit it! <laughs> it was, damn it! You now, it's just not going to work. I don't know what it is. <laughs> is. Is it something I said? Is it something I did? I've only been running this damn thing for five years, or four years, or however long we've been doing it. Uh, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. Seth came and Sean Palmer. Uh, not the greatest sports weekend for Sean. We'll get to that a little bit later. I want to start with the big news of the day. Um, Chris Sale traded from the pretty much number one, the number one pitcher out on the market. I shouldn't say in the free agent market, but it was looking to be traded by Kenny Williams in Rick Hahn out in, in Chicago traded to Boston for a few major prospects. And you can hear Sean having the fun of driving through the driving through the village. Uh, down, driving through Chinatown in New York City right now. The things we do for our this radio show. This is
1: awesome, man. that wants to make a left-hand turn, but nobody's letting him. in the entire box. This is awesome. I don't use my horn very much, but this is fantastic. I should just do it in the I <laughs> All right, now I'm blocking the box. Hold on, now i got to get out of here. All right, there we go, and we're out. woo Moving on. It's like NASCAR down here, except they make left turn. Um, yeah, should we start seeing come sail away? Because that, that was the first thing that came to my came to my mind. But when I did see the trade, I said, holy cow, that is a great deal for both sides. Both sides, great deal.
0: Well, you, you look at who Boston gave up, and Boston gave two massive prospects um, one being the Cuban defector. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sure you do. Um, who they went after and pretty, they went after pretty hard to get him in the first place. Yoan, uh, um, I, I honestly Butcher don't know how to name. pronounce. Butcher
1: his name. Butcher his name. Moncado.
0: Okay, I can do that. And Michael Kopech are the two main prospects. And there's two smaller ones okay. as well. You know, in the White Sox, who have been in a perpetual rebuilding status since they won the series, it seems, 12 years ago, is getting a, it's, it is a pretty decent haul. Now, was it more than what Washington was, was willing to? I guess it's more than what Washington was willing to offer.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only is it a great haul, and it really is the best haul that they could possibly get, but the best part was the Red Sox two years ago paid $31.2 million in a signing bonus to get this guy. And the White Sox get them for Chris Sale. So whoa, you're not going anywhere. Come on, man. Anyway, this is awesome. Awesome doing a radio show while you're driving in Lower Manhattan. But anyway, the White Sox got as good a the White Sox got as good a deal as they could possibly hope for. The the Nationals were give were giving a prospect called uh, Lucas Giolato. And the interesting thing is the difference in the two prospects. So, the Nationals' prospects, Giolato is a pitcher who would have been the better prospect, and the flyer would have been the outfielder. While in this case, the top prospect is the hitter, Moncada, and the flyer is Kopech. And I think when you're dealing with prospects, you deal and in Baseball in general, bats are far more reliable than pitching arms. So it is a much better deal to get the Moncato side, who is a five-tool player from what I understand. And granted, I have never seen the guy play. Uh, All I saw was his little cup of coffee with, with the Red Sox where he struck out his first eight times in the majors. But you know what? So did Anthony Rizzo, so no big deal, right? But I think this is as good a haul as they could have gotten, I think they have to be very happy with this. And the next step is where do the White Sox, who do the White Sox trade next? Do they go trade David Robertson? Do they trade – they trade – Carlos uh, Yeah. They, they, have, they have a boatload of players, which they should be looking to trade if they're tearing this whole thing down. And while they had Chris Sale, who was the best pitcher with the best contract, in the majors. Quintana is probably the best pitcher with the second best contract in the majors. Lots of options, not a lot of money up front. And the White Sox really need to just tear it down. And now you have a good, solid foundation with the top prospect in the majors, who I think you'll see probably in September, if not June. And you have Kopak, who is probably two years away in 2018.
0: Well, in addition to bringing in sale, I I don't know when you picked up your car. Um, Two other deals made. They traded for Tyler Thornburg, trading Travis Shaw. And even more important, well, as good as he was as as a spot reliever, they also were able, I guess, the David Ortiz move, they signed Mitch Moreland from Texas on a one-year contract. Um. Does this push, in your mind, does this push them past Cleveland and past Texas as the favorite in the American League oh, yeah. at this point?
1: Oh, yeah. They're going for it all, and they absolutely are the top team in the American League. I mean, they're throwing out a trifecta of the Cy Young Award winner, Rick Porcello, who's actually the worst of the three. He kind of reminds me of Arietta this year with the, with the Cubs, where he pitched third and he still was the reigning Cy Young Award winner. And they are led by David Price and Chris Sale, who are both lefties. So they may throw, conceivably, four lefties in their rotation, and only one righty being Porcello. So they are definitely the top team in the American League. Thornburg was an excellent deal. but More to the point, what you have to look at from a Dave Dombrowski point of view is what does it say by trading Travis Shaw and trading Yoan Moncada? They have a Pablo lot of San- Means
0: Pablo, Sando- Pablo Sandoval better get his ass in gear this summer.
1: Yeah, but they have a lot of confidence that he's going to get there, right? I mean, because you don't make those trades with the with what we are looking at if they're not happy with with the way Pablo and Big Pablo, A.K.A. Big Panda, is working out for them. So I think that if Sandoval comes back and hits 20 home runs and has 80 RBIs, hits 280, look, that's the best team in the – that. I think that's probably the best team in the majors, looking at it top to bottom. Another bi- I mean, Moreland,
0: another bi- Moreland's
1: a great – sorry, Moreland's a uh, – I just want to hit on the last point. Moreland is a great pickup because if you're going to have Pablo playing third and you have Bogarts playing short and Pedroia playing second – you can afford a very good fielding first baseman with a little bit of pop. And Moreland won the won the Cy Young. Uh, sorry, Cy Young, Golden Glove.
0: Golden Glove
1: first baseman. And while that is not, look, Rafael Palmeiro won the Golden Glove and only played 25 games there. It is a good indication that he is, he is competent, if not better than competent. And I think that's a that's an excellent pick
0: up for them. Other, do you see any? I mean, obviously you have the two big relievers, Jensen and Chapman, that the Yankees and the Dodgers and Nationals are going after. Do you, who are the big free agents? Obviously, Cespedes has, uh, resigns with the Mets. Josh Reddick signs with Houston. Beltran signs with Houston. Who do you? Is there any other? What is the big name that you see that's going to surprise people in the free agency? Oh, excuse me, that's going to oh, be it's, that's it's, in, the, in the winter in the winter meetings. Sorry about that.
1: Look, there's still Edwin Encarnacion, right? I mean, he's still out there, we, and um, we haven't heard
0: too much about him. Actually, is Toronto made it? Is Toronto doesn't seem to have made a huge effort to keep him?
1: Well, Toronto offered him a four-year deal at eighty million, and he turned it down early in free agency. So, and then they moved on to Kendry Morales and Steven Pierce. So it looks like they are out of the Edwin Encarnacion sweepstakes, and. They want a little bit less payroll on that. Our Encarnacion is a four. He wants a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. And if I'm sorry, that's. well I thought the, you just said Toronto offered down.
0: him in a four-year, eighty million. No, no, no. He's turning.
1: He, uh, I just, I just corrected myself. He turned down a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. He wants something in the five years, hundred million dollars, reportedly. And there are very few teams in the majors that can even afford that. I mean, if you look down the line, can Texas afford it? Maybe. Are they willing to do it after the Prince Fielder fiasco? I don't know. Can the Dodgers do it? But why would they? Are the Yankees going to do it? No, the Yankees. uh, uh, With the new collective bargaining agreement, which we haven't even talked about, it is extremely punitive for teams to go above the uh, the luxury tax to the tune of almost 100% tax on that amount over the $192 million. So you're going to see teams, while it's not called a salary cap, I think you're going to see that this is very much a salary cap, if not in name, then in practice.
0: Jumping to another aspect of baseball, we had, Two uh, new inductees into the Baseball Hall of Fame. One, I think, from just coming from two very differing view, different places. John Sherholtz, one of the best GMs of the last fifty years, helped build Atlanta, helped build Kansas City. Um, you know, unanimously inducted into the Hall of Fame, and then Bud Selig, who, let's just say, a dubious. Um, <laughs> not, not quite, not quite the same popularity, le- popular level as as a shareholder. See, like, a used, car, you know, owned used car dealerships becomes the owner of the Brewers, and then beca- is a long term uh, commissioner. That whether you know a lot of issues tr- from the strike to the cancellation of the '94 series, you know, he was a longer, you know, dealing with the PEDs. He was the, he was the longest by he was the longest commissioner in the history of baseball, other than a uh, Mountain Landis. But not really popular, um although maybe with the owners because, because of the amount of revenue that has been that's that has gone through the major league baseball and the, the growth over the last two decades um shareholders getting in unanimously, Sealing is all but one per all one but one vote um your thoughts on both
1: well, hey, I'd love to know who voted against Sealing yeah that would, be, my that thought. would <laughs> be that would be tremendous um look i uh, you know, I read ProFootballTalk.com. I read HardballTalk.com, and Craig Calcaterra, who writes for HardballTalk.com, made an interesting point the other day. He said, "Look at who is on the committee that elects these guys in the in the founders slash slash modern day veterans committee, and four of them are owners." Uh, there's a huge conflict of interest going on there in regards to who's on that committee because Bud Seelig made them a ton of money. So how can you not vote the guy in if you're there? As far as John Sherholtz is concerned, again, Calcaterra brings up an interesting point. The only reason that Sherholtz had to wait so long is because there's a rule that if you are still active and you are a general manager – You must wait until you're 70 years old to be in the Hall of Fame. John Hurt Scherholz could have been in the Hall of Fame 10 years ago for what he did with Atlanta, for what he did with Kansas City, and then what he did with Atlanta. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what this guy has done. John Scherholz may be the best general manager in the last 50 years. He may be the best general manager of all time, but he certainly – I don't know who you put up against him with what he did both in Kansas City and in Atlanta. I mean, you look at the best GMs over the last 50 years, and you're looking at Andrew Friedman probably in Tampa, Brian Cashman in the Yankee organization. Theo. Yeah, Theo. Well, Theo hasn't done it long enough to me. I, I think if Theo retired tomorrow, would he be in the Hall of Fame?
0: I don't know. Having won it, it one for the Redskins, excuse me. What having having been the GM for the Red Sox when they broke their when they broke their streak, and the Cubs when they broke their streak.
1: Sure,
0: it may get him an automatic induction. To be honest.
1: Uh, look, look, I get it, but he's been a general manager for 15 years, and look, I, I get it and okay. I understand it. So let's put Theo, let's put Theo in the conversation, if you will. But to me, Theo's nowhere near John Scherholz at this point. No,
0: nowhere
1: close. Oh, just did it for Share a much
0: longer Holt, period of time. Yeah, shareholders really built teams from nothing, and that's you know that's kind of an argument I've made over the years. Left, I guess, over the last few last year or so, where it's always more impressive to build something for, to me to build something from nothing and take over something where there is talent there. When when Epstein F- came in, there was some talent uh, to Boston. There was Correct. some talent in Chicago. It wasn't bare. When he came to Kansas City in the early 80s, there wasn't a heck of a lot there. I think when the World Series in 85, um, and then there was nothing in Atlanta. Um, and then he was able to bring it to draft Tom Glavin and bring in John trade Doyle Alexander for John Smoltz. Although well, that may have been before him. I, when I was 87. I think he was in there and draft Avery, Steve Avery and, and pick up Greg Maddox and really led one of the, one of the greatest baseball teams of ours or any generation. Um, your thoughts on George Steinbrenner not even getting 25% of them. Is it – do you see – you know, talk about someone who who changed baseball. Do you ever see a time where George Steinbrenner gets into the baseball Hall of Fame?
1: Are you asking me – first of all, let me finish on with Selig, and then I'll get to Steinbrenner. Selig changed the game. So if your your, um, characterization of what a Hall of Famer is is a person – that you cannot tell the story of baseball without that person being included, then Bud Seal is a Hall of Famer. Now, you could say that for good or for bad with him, right? I mean, look, he brought the wild card into existence. At the time, I thought that was awful. I still think two wild cards is awful, but the one wild card, look, if, if there's not a wild card last year, uh, I stopped watching baseball in August, if not in July. So there's that. He started interleague play. I hate interleague play, absolutely hate it. But there is a market for it. There may not be a market anymore, but there certainly was at the time. So did he do some bad things? Absolutely. Look, every every commissioner makes bad moves. I mean, Roger Goodell makes bad moves. Paul Tazza who. You could not be a commissioner without making a bad move or two. There is no perfect commissioner. So, uh, actually, I'm sorry. There was one, A Bartlett Giomatti. He lasted a month. <laughs> he was the perfect commissioner. No, seriously. I mean, he didn't have enough time to make a bad move. Right. Some people think that the, the banning of, of Pete Rose was a bad move. So, that may be his only mistake. So, the fact is, I believe that if your threshold is can you tell the story without mentioning this person, then Bud Seelig is indeed a Hall of Famer. I just think he did more bad than good for a fan. For the owners, oh, uh, he did much more good than bad. He was, he was the king of, of pop rock for them. So anyway, um, as for George Steinbrenner, let's use the same threshold. Can you tell the story of Major League Baseball's history, particularly in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, without mentioning George Steinbrenner? And the answer to me is no. No chance. So if that is your threshold, then he is indeed a Hall of Famer. I don't know what your threshold is, Seth. You are of the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. And you are the inner circle Hall of Famer hall of fame believer does your does your threshold for executives remain the same as your threshold for players and i think that's a very interesting question
0: it's a difficult question to answer um because it is it is very difficult for me to gauge these kind of things um Probably to a degree, probably yes, but I kind of agree with your premise on for the non players. Is it, did this person have a, have a significant impact on the history of baseball? Steinbrenner to me did, but there were so many negatives. There was Howard Spiro. There was the Billy Martin issues. There was everything under the sun. But he also started, you know, he was also the first of the big, spe- the real big spenders, the first to really kind of take advantage of the free agency, free agency with the big signing of, of Reggie Jackson. He was, he was baseball in a lot of ways for better or for worse. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know. John Sherholz to me again, if you know, is best of the best. He was the, he was the only GM other than I guess Epstein um, to win a world series in both leagues. He was the best of the best. But, see, like I, I believe every GM I, – I, like, I wonder how many GMs have not made the Hall of Fame. I you think mean there's only one.
1: Yeah, commissioners,
0: I meant commissioners. I think are, there's only one. There are
1: a couple. There are a couple. There have been ten commissioners in baseball. And I believe the commissioners that are in the Hall of Fame – first of all, A. Bartlett-Giamatti is not in the Hall of Fame. So that's number one. So there's yes. definitely one. Granted, he was only there for a month, but I'm just Dave Vincent, not in the Hall of Fame.
0: Not in the Hall of Fame. But
1: Happy Chandler, I Happy don't Chandler, I don't Hall think
0: is in the Hall of Fame. So I'm actually so looking. I'm right looking this there. up right now.
1: So that's 30 percent of of the commissioners are not in the Hall of Fame, just because there have only been ten.
0: Commissioner of baseball, let's see if it says here who what commissioners have been in the Hall of Fame.
1: So anyway, getting back uh, to what you were saying, while you look that up, I believe that Steinbrenner at some point will be in the Hall of Fame. I think it will be a very close call, but you know who George – and look, I read a lot, and Buster only brings up an, uh, an interesting point the other day. We have a president-elect in Donald Trump. Who was the original Donald Trump?
0: It's George Steinbrenner.
1: The original yeah. Donald Trump is absolutely George Steinbrenner. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think he eventually gets it. I don't think you can tell the story of Major League Baseball's history without him. And it goes, Seth, it goes even before Reg Jackson – Remember, he's the one that signed Catfish Hunter first. So that's right. There, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes on with George Steinbrenner, and I do get the fact that his team might have reloaded during the time that he was suspended. I'm okay with that concept. However, that he they reloaded in the '90s. When he had his best years in the 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, all the way up to 2009 when they won their last championship, George Steinbrenner was heavily involved in those teams. So I get the point of Bernie, the big four were not traded away, including Mariano Rivera for Felix Vermeen, because Gene <laughs> Michael stopped them. Well, that was, look, that was on the board. G. Michael said no, but that was Steinbrenner wanted to make that trade. Felix Fermin, ladies and gentlemen. That Starts would go right along the lines, That would go right along the lines of Buddy Bianca Lana, who is one of my favorite names in all of baseball. Anyway, did uh, you get the answer the, about the commissioner? So,
0: yeah, I'm looking on Wikipedia right now. I'm just running down the list. Um because I'm going through executive Kenesaw Al- Landis, who is a blat- the first commissioner of baseball and a blatant racist, was el- was elected.
1: boe um, Kuhn's elected.
0: Ford Frick was elected. Ford Frick again, not, not exactly a popular uh, commissioner um, for a variety of reasons. Most uh, of which was, uh, Happy Chandler Roger was elected. Yes, the issue with because he was. Uh, he was baby's uh ghostwriter, So there was a yeah. conflict of interest to say the least. Um kind of going through this now. Not in shocking. Bowie Kuhn has, was elected and Bud Seuss. Yeah, not too many. Um, I take it back.
1: So what is so, it? Seven out of 10?
0: Uh, yeah, probably a little bit less than that actually. Um, Cause Peter, you doesn't 10? look like was elected either. Peter Eubaroff oh, doesn't look looked. like he was elected either. No, he wasn't. So, the Hall of Fame, come, when does the next, when do the actual play, when is the next induction ceremony, or the next, the next bat? The ballots are out, correct? Or they, or they, they oh, there was recently, that was. Okay.
1: The ballots are out. I don't. They are going, so the announcement will be in the second week of January as to who gets elected. Uh, early polling, and there are definitely sites that collect, uh, public announcement. So a new rule came into effect actually today. The Baseball Writers Association announced as of next year, not this year, which is the Tim Raines year to me, next year Major League Baseball Hall of Fame ballots will be made public. So, if you, yeah. so every writer must publicly, probably not beforehand, probably after, uh, show their ballots which I think is fantastic. I think, uh, look, transparency is golden, right? You want transparency. So that will happen starting next year. The There are some uh, writers that do, uh, that do publicly put out their ballots even this year and have in the past, and so far the tabulations of those ballots, which are a pretty good indication of where the Hall of Fame is eventually going to go, has – uh, Tim Raines in, has Ivan Rodriguez in, and has Jeff Bagwell in, and the Ivan Rodriguez well, one is kind of strange to me, because
0: well that was uh, that was PED about and- actually about the comment on that. If that was where yeah. they would be going as the first PED offender, it's interesting that of all the players that that Pudge would be, although a great player, would be above the Bonds, the Clemens, so on and so forth. That surpri- that well, does surprise me a little bit.
1: Well, the thing about Pudge is that Pudge two things. First of all, people liked him. He yeah. was legitimately liked. Which if you look at Bonds and you look at at, at Clemens and you look at even Maguire who was very uh, standoffish during his career, people didn't like these people. Sorry, people didn't like these players. The the writers just didn't like them. So the other thing is did Pudge Pudge wasn't tried. He wasn't put into the public eye. He wasn't at at the congressional hearings. The only evidence that Pudge has, the only evidence against Pudge is that Canseco said he did it, which in some cases is enough. But it seems like for this one, it, it probably will go forward. I think Piazza getting in, even though there was no evidence against him, will open the, the doors a little of- bit.
0: We have the walls on this. Yeah, I agree. So jumping out of baseball to I guess we'll jump to the NFL a little bit, and I know you don't want to discuss your 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 jets too much because I'm not sure there's anything left to say. But to be fair, it wasn't the worst sporting event of your night. Oh
1: I have let let, Uh, let me tell everybody wait, let me tell everybody about my weekend. So my weekend consisted of Saturday having to watch Syracuse play North Florida on ESPN3, to which are ESPN on demand. And to gotcha. which I thought, okay, I can be okay with this. I can watch it and not really get too upset. I mean, we're playing North Florida after all. I didn't even know North Florida had a team. So here we are, and Syracuse is up 20. And I go away for a while, and then I come back in the last three minutes, and we're up only six. Already my blood starts boiling. So I get up on Sunday, and I realize, okay, well, I don't have to watch any football today because the Jets don't play. Jets play Monday night, and Monday night I'm going to the Syracuse game, so I don't even have to watch the Jets. Hallelujah for that. So I say, okay, instead of of sitting on a couch and watching football all day, The Islanders play at Barclays, it's $16, called up a friend, said let's go to the Barclays, and we go. And the Islanders jump out to a 1-0 lead, then the Red Wings come back, then the Islanders take the lead, then the Red Wings come back, and then the Red Wings come back in the third, take the lead. The Islanders score with three minutes to go, which is totally unlike the New York Islanders. And then in the first minute of overtime, they lose. So I'm pretty much going home, not very happy. Monday comes. Hey, I don't have to watch the Jets because the Jets suck, but it's $3 to get into the Meadowlands if I really want to go. But I don't because I have $85 <laughs> tickets to MSG to watch Syracuse, who is ranked 22nd in the, in the country, face the 4-5 and Yukon Huskies. At Madison Square Garden, where it generally is a Syracuse home game. I walk into MSG after having a couple of beers, and it's 80% UConn fans. What the hell? Did they cancel school to bring them all down? And, of course, Syracuse is up. Then they're not up. UConn goes on a 17-6 to run at the end of the game. Syracuse ties the game with, I think it was, six seconds or nine seconds left at the end of the game. That was, oh, and then I happened to get home and see that the Jets lost 44-10. to 10. So it was an awesome weekend, only to know that two out of my three fantasy league teams didn't make the playoffs, and I won $75 on a bet. But other than that, not bad. The, Sarah, the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show fantasy football team is going to the playoffs as the three-seed, and we have 250 points more than anybody else.
0: Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been nice to have. We didn't a even have to play.
1: <laughs> we got a zero out of Witten. We didn't even have to play the two guys on the box. and we still would have won by 45. Uh,
0: I am in in, in uh, two of my two of my three leagues. I have moved on to the playoffs. A four seed in my in my uh, old school league it would be unfortunate. I started Jordan Matthews because I was not around to change at twelve thirty. I didn't see he had, it was out, and I lost by half of a point to the three seed. But which means absolutely nothing uh, in the end of the day <laughs> means nothing. Um, you know, we had talked about. Well, I'm actually looking at the quarterbacks we're playing against next week in the playoffs. Yeah,
1: and we love them. it's a
0: combination it's awesome. of. Bright Petty, Cody Kessler, Matt Barkley, and Jared. Jared Goff. Goff. Yep.
1: Jesus. We should be all right.
0: Well, well, let's hope so. Anyway, moving forward, um, you know, we've joked the last couple of weeks about how, you know, about the Jets and Todd Bowles and whether he, whether you know, I I never really thought he was in trouble until I watched last night. And watched was a relative term. I kind of had it on in the background, um, you know, while trying while playing with playing with the little man, and the little man being my son. For those of you who are not familiar, I probably should have rephrased that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so PG, PG, my friend,
1: PG. Wow! There
0: you go. And switching between the uh, the Nets game and a little bit of college basketball, they not only did they lose forty four to ten, it could have been worse. Yep. It Jack Doyle fumbled away a touchdown on the one yard line. They were down. This game was this was embarrassing. And you know, you kind of over the last couple of weeks transitioned into you thinking that Todd Bowles may be gone. Yep. I didn't really believe you until I saw last night, and yep. you know Bryce Petty is now starting the last four games of the season, which is for all intents and purposes his tryout to be a, to be a starting NFL quarterback. But the reality is this team is done, and at what is it two and nine, three and eight, whatever it may be. I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you last week: Is Todd Bowles gone?
1: So I I. Was very fortunate not to watch last night's game, as I said before. Um, is he gone? Well, he's not gone today. Uh, I think At the end of the year,
0: is House. he going to be fired?
1: Can you really make that decision right now?
0: No, what if they three win and the nine. next four
1: games, is he gone?
0: Well, if they win the next four games, you don't have to worry about Bryce about your quarterback because you're probably you're not you're probably keeping Bryce Petty. Um, probably not. No, one thing Well, you it would be an emotional. Make- it's an emotional. It's an emotional choice at this point, versus a pra- versus a pragmatic one. And we've seen okay, how that's so gone emotion- over the past in the past.
1: Well, an emotional choice. I hope he stays because somebody brought this up to me at work today. Are we? Are we? And I put we as Jets. Are we becoming the new Cleveland Browns? where we have to recycle a coach every two years? Or is continuity something that needs to be addressed? And I don't know the answer to that question. But if we fire Todd Bowles, we have fired Todd Bowles. How many many coaches have we gone through in the last decade? Five? Four? Right? I mean, you got Mangina.
0: Yes, we have Mangina. We have Rat. and and uh, do we, we have Buddy? Buddy. Well, that'll be four out of five weeks. I've used Buddy Ryan instead of Rex Ryan.
1: Oh, okay. I was I was <laughs> like, wait, we've gone through this. He's dead, dude.
0: All right, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Rex right. Ryan,
1: Sorry. Rex Ryan, Todd Bowles, and Eric Mangini. So we we will be on our fifth coach, in I believe, ten years, maybe eleven fire Todd Bowles is that the way that the Jets need to be and I don't know that answer but I certainly don't want to be the Cleveland Browns and that's the way the Cleveland Browns have operated is never giving their coach and their general manager the proper amount of time to be successful can you be successful in two years I don't know. I don't know many coaches that many coach general manager combos, new combos that are successful within 2 years. Very few. What's that?
0: Said very few.
1: Yeah, so you have to you have to bring in your own system, you have to bring in your own players to run that system. It is not a quick the NFL is not a quick fix. Unless you just want to be mediocre. So I I, I don't think so. I don't think that this I uh, well, I hope it is not the end of Mike McCallum excuse me, and um and topples. Uh, emotionally I hope it lasts at least one more year. But I think if they play the next four games like they played last night and I only saw glimpses of last night. You can't bring him back because the team has quit. And if there's anything that a coach is supposed to be, he's supposed to be a leader of men. Let me ask you this, though. Did did you guys turn into a pumpkin this week? Did it finally
0: happen? To quote, to quote Dennis Green, we are what they say we are. The Giants, in a good year, would not be a playoff team. In a pretty mediocre year, to say the least, they'll probably be a wild card. They're two games up or a game and a half up on Washington and two games up fully. Um, they're just not very good. They, ha- they had moments against Pittsburgh. Their defense didn't play bad. Um, but, you know, Eli even Eli's interception, which, you know, we joke about the Eli one pass the game, it was it was it was the game change. it was the game changer because they were gonna go up seven five and they ended up going down uh letting up a touchdown at the end of the half and it really kinda of slowing the momentum. But it was a really nice play by James Harrison or Shazir, I forget who or I forget which which Pittsburgh linebacker Timmons. It
1: wasn't our um, guy. I, I'd have to oh go no, back it was. It was Timmons. It wasn't Shazir. Timmons got was, the interception got the interception.
0: Yeah, it was Timmins. Um it was a nice play by Timmins and a nice catch. Um it wasn't a great pass, but it was not the horrendous Eli pass that we're accustomed to. Um, they're just not that good. You know, Pierre Paul is now injured, but we don't know how long he's going to be out. They're three games behind Dallas, um, who they play Sunday night. It's, it is not likely, you know, this is a team that's probably going to be a 9-7 team. And, you know, we'll be relatively, you know, relatively easy pickings for, you know, Atlanta or Detroit or whoever wins, whoever the four seed is. I don't, I just don't see them going very far. Now, you know, there, there are some ups. I mean, Collins has been great this year. The defensive line has been good there. It, Paul Perkins has, has looked okay, pretty decent in, in, in short places. Um, you know, there, there is some talent going forward there. You know, I, I don't see this as kind of a, the peak of this team, but they're just not there. And to be fair, I think most Giants fans were pretty realistic about that.
1: Yeah, I see that. Um, Look, I think the only way that they have a shot is if they play a Green Bay. If Green Bay can come back and win that division and they're actually in control of their own destiny, if they play outside. If this is a team that has to play inside against one of those two dome teams, they're going to get destroyed. I mean, they are not a fast team except for very few – I mean, look, they have Beckham and they have Janoris Jenkins, but that's the extent of their speed. Landon Collins isn't exactly a fast guy. That's why he dropped. So, I th- in the draft, I think they have a shot against a team that plays outside, especially in bad weather, but against uh, a team with speed and a team on, on turf. The interesting thing, and this is what happened – believe me, this is what happened with the Jets last year – is that the giants did not play a great schedule this year because of where they lef- where they left off last year if they become a wild card team they are going to play a tremendously tougher schedule next year so by and that's exactly what happened with the jets they they finished 9 and 7 last year and instead of a fourth place schedule they got a second place schedule even though they didn't make the playoffs and that's much harder. So, but you did watch Big Ben, Levin, Le'Veon Bell, et cetera. Is this a team that can make a run in, in the playoffs? I mean, are they, they're a dangerous yeah. team offensively. I don't. I didn't watch the game, obviously. I was at the worst arena known to man for hot. Huh? They got Oh, they firepower. absolutely
0: can make a run. They absolutely yeah. can make a run, especially with New England losing Rob Gronkowski for the season. With The Raiders seem to play are ten and two, but I don't think anyone has a great deal of confidence that they can, that, so that they can run through this conference to a Super Bowl at this point. Their defense still leaves a bit to be desired. Kansas City is very good, but nobody really – it's very difficult to have a great deal of, of confidence in Kansas City going to a Super Bowl. They certainly don't have the firepower to do so. Although winning in Atlanta was impressive yesterday, around Sunday, in a very weird, in that strange uh, two point conversion return for Eric Berry, which I'll probably mention in the last five minutes. But I yeah, go Seth, to the. Hold on team, a There's nobody on. that good. Yeah,
1: remember, Kansas City, yes, they won. But they won with their defense. They, I mean, Barry had a had a touchdown. Well, they always win. They always win
0: with their defense,
1: right? But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying they don't have if if Kansas City gets behind in a game, They're they done. don't have the op- they don't have the offense to come back. If all the other teams, including your favorite guy Joe Flacco, who we decided to sit this week, but yet had more points than anybody else, I think in the NFL, um. Those teams have firepower enough to make a comeback. I think Kansas City. Yes. That's the one thing that Kansas City and Denver do not have. They do not have the ability to come back down by two touchdowns. I think it's over for both of those teams.
0: Well, that's why I think the I think both leagues are crapshoots. I think Dallas is going to obviously be the overwhelming is going to be the favorite um, in the NFC with. You know, with home field throughout, and with the three-game, two-to-three-game lead, but we never know. You never know how teams. We've seen many teams, you know, thir- especially with young quarterbacks, who, you know, you don't look at Dallas and say, "Wow, they're an overwhelming." I mean, they've looked very good this year. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not writing them into the Super Bowl. But I don't, I don't see any great teams out there. I really don't. Now, um, New, you know, New England is a good team, but without Gronkowski they're in with you know having traded a lot of their defense this year um they're not a team where I look at would be over, would be deb- would be there's t- seven or eight teams I think that can make a run pittsburgh is certainly one of them if healthy
1: yeah i and like that actually pittsburgh. they very like well may be. They,
0: they they may very well be my pick if they make the playoffs they still have to make the playoffs which is by no which is certainly nothing not written in stone with, uh, I think they're tied with Baltimore at this point
1: They are I think whoever comes out of that division um, Is going to be in the AFC Championship uh, he, as, a, as a a lower seed division winner I, I like both of them um, I like the way Baltimore is playing I like how they're pushing uh, Kenny Dixon Into the lineup a lot more I like that we have him at $11 next year If we want him um, actually, I think it's nine dollars <laughs> that we have next year. Um, see, always, always in the future, always thinking for the future. I'm like Bill Belichick, except fantasy wise. Um, yeah, I think the that, man's won one look, championship
0: in 22 years. And He just compared himself to Bill Belichick. You more okay, of a Brian Billick?
1: No, I'm or probably Barry a Brian. I'm pro. No, I am a Bobby Cox, cause I have made lots of championships and yet have only won one. <laughs> Is that fair? Touché.
0: All
1: right. Touché. Anyway, so, the, uh, so I am no longer Bill Belichick. I am now Bobby Cox. Anyway, the fact remains, I like what Baltimore is doing. I think you have a couple of teams on the down, on on looking downward, uh, trending downward, including Denver, who uh, Trevor Simeon is hurt. And Paxton Lynch obviously was good, but not great this week. I'd like... I'm very much looking forward to Thursday night's game. And I think the NFL is looking forward to Thursday night's game because it may be the second consecutive Thursday night where they actually have good ratings. After having Dallas against Minnesota last week, they come back with uh, with Kansas City against Oakland in Kansas City, and it's supposed to be 20 degrees. Awesome. Football weather. Awesome. So, um... And said, this is why they will never take away Thursday night football. Because these games <laughs> are the ones that. Because while the All-Star game may not count anymore, Thursday night football, these count. So, uh, we'll, if Kansas City wins this game at home, they are in control of the AFC
0: West. And for all intents and purposes, in control of the AFC. No, Nothing from the no, no. New account. England
1: is. No, 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 New England is. New England's
0: in I, control of the game. I thought right now, Oakland. Is it a game, or is it just Oakland has the tiebreaker right now? Oakland has. I guess the tie New England, would still, right New England common, would still be up a game.
1: New England would still be up a game. Why? Why the tiebreaker is in Buffalo is in Buffalo. Well, it actually does reside in Buffalo, is because they both have the same conference record. So after conference record, it actually goes to common opponents, and Buffalo beat New England. But they lost to Oakland. So Oakland has the tiebreaker over to New England right now.
0: There you go. I'm impressed you can do that while driving up the Upper East Side on the FDR. Is that where you are? Where are we right well, now, by the way, in our wheel game of Spy well, we're at Spy <laughs> Hunter?
1: I wish it was Spy Hunter. I mean, that would be so much more fun. We're at about 96th Street on the FDR. We're making our way. We're almost there. But uh, the fact remains I'm just that good. It, it, it has nothing to do with research. I have not used my phone once on this. Look, I, I I saw a couple of ads for texting and driving and looking at your phone. And look, I am I am a person that absolutely texts and drives. I will not be. I will I will definitely not dis- say I do not do that. But I have made a promise to myself and uh, to people at work that I will no longer do that. Uh, after seeing uh, a couple of, uh, public service announcements, I think my time texting and driving has now been complete. It's extremely dangerous and I'm just, I don't need to, I don't need to look up information when I'm just that good.
0: Uh, you wonder why he's single ladies. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> fair enough. Um, also makes me wonder what exactly you're doing at work that you have this much time to read all this stuff. But that's another that's another story. Jumping from the NFL to college, uh, we'll start off quickly with the Heisman. Five candidates are out. Uh, no real I guess real Pepper is making the five. Maybe a bit of a shock. Um, you have the two the two players from Oklahoma: uh, Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook, the wideout, the Sean Watson, Lamar Jackson. Any reason to think Lamar, Lamar Johnson does not win the first Heisman for Louisville?
1: No, I mean we talked about this last week. I don't believe at all that there's a shot that anybody else wins it. Um, I do have one interesting tidbit to point out, as I tend to do on these shows. This is the first year in the first time in ten years that there is no finalist from the Southeastern Conference. How
0: do you like that? Really, that is a, that is a pretty random one, and First that may also lead to the fact that this is the weakest this is the weakest that the SEC has been in ten years. Yes, absolutely. It's really, an undeserving, undeserving, and we'll go through the bowl games probably next week with an undeserving bowl, uh, Auburn in, a, in the Sugar Bowl, and there's nobody else really even in shouting distance. Um, you go. Any, were you surprised, you now, after the Penn State comeback against Wisconsin, uh, Washington extremely impressive against Colorado. Did this, did, this fall, did this flow through the way you thought? Did you think the final four would be Alabama, Washington, and Clemson, Ohio State?
1: Absolutely. That's, I believe that's what I picked on the show last week. Um, I thoroughly believe that those are the people that deserved it. Look, you could if, if, if Penn State had one loss, they would be in the bowl game. They would be in the playoffs. It's not the Michigan loss, ladies and gentlemen. It has nothing to do with the Michigan loss. It's the fact that you lost to a crappy Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh team, that allows you to lose the playoffs. It has nothing to do with Michigan. It has everything to do with the fact that you lost to a crappy ACC team. And I say that. As my Syracuse Orange are a member of the ACC, a complete crappy ACC team. So, no. Well, that and crappy ACC, that crappy
0: like, ACC, that the crappy ACC team also beat Clemson.
1: True. True. But they only lost once. You get one, you don't get two.
0: Yeah. No, I, my point was also, I, I agree with the choices. I disagree with your argument. Um,
1: Well, that's, that's normal.
0: Yeah. Not (laughs) losing. It actually is not losing to Michigan, but the way they lost to Michigan, you lose to a team that's ranked ahead of you by 30, you know, that in, in the prior rankings by 39 points with no better of a record I find if they had lost to Michigan 24-17, or twenty seven ten, or twenty seven seventeen, or seven to ten point game, that's one thing. You lost by thirty nine.
1: But Seth, I do not know how. Michigan. You... Wait, wait, but this isn't about Michigan. That's what I keep trying to tell you. If if they had one loss and it was just to Michigan, they'd be in.
0: Yes. Yes, they would. Yes, this they would. This
1: not about Michigan. This is – this is no matter how much they lost or won to Michigan, this game is not about – it's not about Michigan. Now, let me ask you this, and I think this is – this was brought up
0: – I heard
1: this somewhere, I don't remember where. Let's flip it. Let's say Penn State is number two, and going into the Big Ten championship, Ohio State is facing Nebraska. Uh, sorry, facing Wisconsin, they're all red to me. Wisconsin and beats Wisconsin the same way Penn State does. Does Ohio State jump Washington? Because I think they might.
0: Well, the difference is Ohio State had wins beats Oklahoma, and that's the difference to me. Oklahoma, a borderline playoff candidate, you know, you know a team that when ten and two was number six when the rankings were all said and done. The issue with Washington, and I agree, I thought Washington should have made it because even though their out of conference schedule stunk, um, there, this, he took strength of schedule, into, they actually had a better one than Michigan when it was all said and done, um, which is yeah. strange. Uh, but wait,
1: but no, I'm saying I'm saying take the same. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe I misconstrued what I was trying to say. It's the same body of work. Okay, They have the same schedule as Penn State. I, okay. I'm, I'm just changing the name. I'm not changing anything okay. else. Not oh, F- okay. H- my, my fault. I am changing the name. The name is not Penn State. The name is Ohio State. Penn State is Interesting number Interesting argument. Does Ohio State, based on their name, get in? Get because in. Because I think they probably get, do.
0: They ver- probably do. They probably do. Well, that's wrong. Um, Penn, that's wrong. Penn State is still a pariah in a lot of ways. It's a very difficult call. Um, if it would just take, if we're just now, would they? Would it be deserved? I don't think so. I don't think Penn State deserved it. I wrote about this on Facebook. I talked about this with PSU alumni, you know, who are all angry. And you know, look, you're playing at USC in the Rose Bowl. Your life is not too ter. It's not too terrible. Um, you you lost right two games angry, and you lost them the, the pick. And you lost by 39 to Michigan, and that to me anyway, is, a, is a game changer. Um,
1: okay, five minutes you know, left. We'll, so, that, go talk about Eric Berry.
0: Uh, quick, quickly, Eric Berry, as many of you know, the the heart and soul of of the Chiefs defense for the last ten years. Missed last year with non-Hodgkins lymphoma. You know, did all his? He's from Atlanta. He did all of his his rehab in Atlanta, and last week was his first week back. First Well, actually, I think only the second time he's ever played in Atlanta. Not only has a pick six. No,
1: no, no, no. Actually, it's the only time he's ever played in Atlanta.
0: Is it the only time Seriously. he's ever played? Okay. Not only has a pick six, but intercepts Matt Ryan on a two-point conversion, and brings it back to give them to give Kansas City one of the more unlikely champions, more unlikely wins. In recent memory, twenty nine, twenty eight. Congratulations to him. Also, congratulations to Evander Holyfield, Johnny Tapia, Marco Antonio Barrera for being inducted into the, into the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. And, and a, a, a sad goodbye to Rashawn Salam, who died today at age 42, the Heisman winner from Colorado in 1994, who never really developed in Chicago, had a couple years uh, before he got injured, tried to come back in o three, and didn't really pan out um but died at age 42 which to old men like Sean and myself is a little bit scary to say the least.
1: Yeah, 2 years away my friend. Wow. Well, all right, so I got like 3 minutes left. Number 1, thank you all for joining me on my spy hunter excursion. I am now at the garage. This is fantastic. <laughs> exactly exactly what hour from the time that I left. So Good call by everybody and thank you very much for joining me and tolerating my uh horn beats, which were extensive down uh, down by Canal Street. That's number one. Number two, Rashawn Salam, exactly. I mean we, we we love tidbits here on the Seth and John Sports Radio Show. Uh, number one tidbit of today, Rashawn Salam played in the X F L. Yes, he actually played in the X F L. For those that do not remember what that was, that was Vince McMahon's concoction of football, which brought... Try and
0: find the 30 the, for 30 on it. It's pretty funny.
1: You know what? The XFL brought the sideline cam. It brought the top cam that you see on, on Sunday night and Monday night footballs now. football. Now it brought some great innovations, not some great football, and somebody, unfortunately, separated a shoulder very early in that game before the game even started. But I wonder what the – would the XFL even be able to exist today with the new NFL and the concussion rules? I kind of doubt it. But Probably the way, not. But you know what? Good the way it was, and I'm glad it happened. Um, my shout-out goes to all the Penn State fans and to the UConn fans. And trust me, this is very hard for me to say for UConn fans. Good job. You know what? Both of your universities went through a lot in the last four or five years, particularly the Penn State universities. It is so nice to see the fans back and proud of their school because, yes, their school did something wrong. Yes, their school hid an atrocity, in my opinion, but it's not their fault. Probation, Seth, I believe your school's been on probation. It's just nice It's just nice to have the fans back And it's nice to uh, See State alums out of their school So For Seth Kamis, this is Sean Palmer Next week we're going to have our bowl game preview Army Navy is on Saturday Donald Trump will be in the stands Go Donald And uh, it's awesome Absolutely awesome, it's fantastic For, For Jake Seth and myself (laughs) <laughs> Sports Radio. Jake was
0: pretty good today.
1: Uh, he was. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.
0: All right.